0: It was all a pipe dream, watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at Reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds. At
1: 18, living the dream with no sun. Hey, good day, and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast, the home of bodyboarding. Thank you for joining us on episode 42 of our verbal journaling. And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor. Well, today's guest is a very old friend of mine. Um, we've been we've known each other for now. Pretty much over twenty years, born and bred in the Shire, tackled some of the heaviest waves around Australia, if not the world. Was the the Milky Bar Kid pretty much when he was growing up around our ways, and he was uh, thrust into stardom, and still is one of the best bodyboarders that I know today. I'm talking about one of my good friends, Sammy Strachan. Welcome to the show, my bro. Uh thanks for having me, mate. That's um.
0: Yeah, it's a big intro. It's a it's a lot to live up to. No,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've
0: already lived up to it. No, it's um yeah no, it's been a it's been a good twenty years. Um, yeah, it would definitely be about that. Or well, we would have met Canola Bodyboard Club days when I was what like eight years old, I think, first getting into it. So yeah, I know. nine years old, yeah. So that would work out. God, yeah. we're getting old, aren't we? I know, <laughs> yeah. you
1: think about the years and how quickly it goes. Yeah,
0: dude, but um. Yeah, no,
1: thank you for having me on. It's good to be here. No, I do. I'm so stoked and thanks for bringing all this amazing recording gear up to the Shire. Like, we're sitting currently now, um, listeners, in my lounge room, sun setting on a Sunday afternoon, Queen's long weekend, and we're decked out with proper road recording gear, um, beautiful mics, actual headphones so we can hear ourselves. Kind of speak over all the other noises, and yeah, it's a privilege to actually do one in person because a lot of these um, podcasts, as you guys would know, are usually uh, via that ringer app. So it's um, it's kind of you know, long distance. Yeah,
0: I guess a bit more personal, get a bit or not more personal, a bit more intimate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look,
0: nothing's going to get weird
1: on this podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. We've had some moments over our time. Wait, just to kind of set the scene for everyone too, there's a bottle of vodka, a bottle of mezcal, some coffee shots, kombucha, and Sam's mic is taped to a bottle of Verve champagne that we received when we first bought this unit about eight years ago. Still hasn't been opened, and you've taped your mic up to it on such a day. Well, you know, that's I am an engineer by trade. An audio engineer, it's not a real engineer, so you know. But um
0: <laughs> these are the things we come up with, you know, we just make it work. But um yeah, no, I have brought all this recording gear from from work. It is nice to have some of that stuff at my
1: disposal now. But um So please tell us what you do and where you work, Sam.
0: Yeah, so nowadays I am a university lecturer, lecturing audio engineering at JMC Academy. So teaching uh the Classes I teach, the studio classes, so yeah, how to use recording studios, um, all the gear that goes with that, a little bit of kind of audio theory stuff as well, physics of sound and those kind of things, but um, yeah, not where I planned on ending up, but it's a good gig. Um, Not surfing as much as I'd love to be, but uh, you know, I'll work out that life balance soon. Yeah, for Um, sure. Definitely still getting in the water as much as I can, but um, yeah, no, it's good, so kind of... Did this freelance after I graduated uni for five six years and then, after COVID, kind of wanted mm. some stable full time work and uh yeah they gave me the call up one of my old lecturers and out of the blue and yeah it all everything kind of fell into place which is nice been there about a year and a bit now so yeah getting used to it but yeah living away from the ocean which is a bit
1: harder. Um, so, you're nestled in um, the Inner West at the moment, Newtown? Yeah, so in the Inner West. Um, so, yeah, we're not
0: not like I'm living out in the desert or anything oh, like man, that. Oh, You're half an hour from Waves. Well, yeah, when you're working full time and then, you know, you got a life outside of just going to the beach every second. Um, yeah, it is hard to get down there, but I'm definitely still surfing when I can. And yeah, luckily, we well, just got,
1: recently brought that um, clip out of NMD, didn't you? Yeah, oh, look, those three clips in that are like <laughs> a year, a year, years <laughs> apart. It <laughs> came out so honestly and just spilled that. So, congrats on yeah. that. Because we could have just rode that on into the distance. But that, that Yeah, I mean,
0: like, I just had, like, I don't know, because that's the thing. I'm surfing all, like, not surfing all the time. I'm surfing every week at least, still once or twice. That's but it, I'm not. It's a lot better than a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I'm not calling up photographers whenever I go surfing anymore kind of thing. You know, it's much more spontaneous just going – because that's yeah, the thing. Like back in the day, I guess there was different goals and things, whereas now it's purely just I want to have fun to relax yeah, on sure. the ocean. So I don't really care for – look, it's epic to see self-surfing and get photos of that, but it's not any kind of priority on my mind now. So
1: Yeah, definitely. I think
0: like, yeah, they are all clips from like times I've gone surfing – just out of the blue, and someone's been there, which has been
1: cool. But, yeah. um, which is, we're pretty lucky in the East Coast, it can happen. Oh, 100%. Pretty often, or there can be periods where you kind of go through and you don't even see a film or like a photographer for ages. It's funny, like, you used to see a lot more action, say, down um, further south in the state, but which mm. is, it's kind of refreshing to not have it because obviously makes brings the mystique back of the place and it's great keeping those places more low key. but you know there was a time where that was very heavily documented and you could mm. go down there and people would just be there shooting regardless 100 and now you like, can go to sessions and it's just it's it's no one there which yeah. is so cool and i feel in, like the waves way. go through trends as well really yeah. hard
0: like i don't know it's not like the waves that were crowded say even two three years ago it's The trends move so quickly. You notice like someone gets like a sick session at one spot and then all of a sudden that's the spot for For like three
1: months or whatever and everyone's hitting that spot and then. That's almost happening at the moment on the east coast and I reckon it's kind of shifted away from a certain wave that we like to surf to a certain wave further down south that may now have a bit more heat and attention on it. 100%, 100%. So like, yeah, that particular wave
0: we're talking about a bit further south that I'm sure people can (laughs) work out like you Mm. used to. No one used to surf that way. It had such a localism mystique about it. And now you're surfing out there and there's 40 guys and, bunch of kind of 18 year olds or jocks on jet skis like doing hop-offs on every single set and it's like a very very different for sure vibe than there's a of, lot
1: of good local call lords don't don't get us wrong oh but no, there's 100%. a lot of yeah people that just come in with a jet ski. and that's happened even down at, at chippies now man yeah How many those people? local callers down the
0: coast have been doing that stuff forever though it's kind of those new blow-ins from sydney and things for like sure. that and look yeah. we are both sydney boys so i'm like putting my, i'm putting my foot in dude i myself. put my hand
1: up straight yeah. away too wait, wait whenever i surf that certain spot we're talking about and it's very rarely but if I do I always have that hanging over the back of my shoulders you know because you can't shake it it's hard when you know that's the talked about thing and when you're not a local local there you know much like if someone's a paddle out cape or the island we kind of look at them and and weigh them up straight away and be like how long have they surfed you for where do they sit in the park and obviously you're going to share waves with them but you kind of know that you can pull pot a priority card when you need to compared to when you surf a certain other wave that is an excellent wave and you want to get good ones, but you know that you're nowhere near the pecking order and you have to take the scraps regardless. Oh, 100%. And, like,
0: I know when you're a bit younger you can let your ego chase you around and paddle out in spots where you're not from and still try and carry on like you some got some kind of weight out there. But, yeah, I know. Nowadays, it's like I'm generally surfing in places that I'm not from. So I'm just happy to be out there and whatever I can get is fine. Dude, um, for sure. Unless it's Sark rock It's my wave. Yeah. Um, I'll yeah. be taking waves yeah. out
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, what a place. Well, really, we should probably even um, draw it back to them, man. Like, you know, where we first met and obviously surfing around Cronulla. that was one of the waves. That was that that wave for us, especially with you, me, Ryan Hart. Carl Buchanan, um, as the sirens <laughs> Sorry, pass out. Someone's getting GTA at <laughs> yeah, <out> the front. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, there's um, just been a massacre. But, um, but yeah, no, that probably, yeah, that was like the
0: core years surfing that wave um, with that kind of core crew, like a little bit older than us. And, and we would kind of
1: prefer it a little bit more than the island at times. Like, uh-huh. we would definitely surf the island. And we love the island. Don't get me wrong, that place is the number one. But because you could practice different maneuvers out there and it had the variety of the left too which the island does but it very rarely does it kind of get to what you need it to be and suck rock left doesn't really either but when the option's there it's just such a different wave
0: 100 and i think that was oh
1: like we've been surfing
0: for, since well before then but i think those core years we're talking about are what when i was like 15 and you would have been maybe 18 kind yeah. of thing
1: yeah 18 19 yeah yeah
0: and um yeah, I think it was. That's when we were surfing so much. Like, I was either not going to school or I had already dropped out. <laughs> um, like. <laughs> Every day we were sur- I swear that weight was good every day. But, yeah, that was when oh, I that, progressed the most in my surfing so quickly. And it was, yeah, surfing with guys like yourself and Pino and oh, Sean Pino Notley. Sure. Um, yeah, the gatekeeper, Sean yeah, Notley. Yeah, massive influence. I'm sure no one in the current bodybuilding scene even know who he is, but he was one of the biggest influences growing up kind oh, of thing sure. on the Cronulla scene. Man,
1: and he's such a multi-talented fella himself. Like, mm. how's the kickboxing? How's the soccer? Yeah. How's, like, dedicating his life to – science and and all his his research that he's put in like yeah he, dr Nolly, yeah man hats off to the bloke what, whatever he does he never does it in halves he just goes 150 fucking percent 100 percent um yeah he was a great influence he was
0: massive influence but yeah i guess it was it was just a wild period in our lives we we're all pretty like rowdy but it wasn't a destructive rowdy it was like this just kind of rowdy bunch of boys surfing waves and Taking the piss out of each other and
1: Well, we tried to be not as destructive as possible. I dare say in our dope youth days, there might have been I'd say it was very destructive. Yeah, what am I talking about? There might have been a I think of maybe moments. just not on like a um well, think about the cars, man. Think about what happened to all of our cars.
0: Yeah, the actual <laughs>
1: yeah, <fuck. laughs> Like the physical abuse to those cars and like anyone's property within Koo if you if, if if you had G'd someone up or if there was a bit of tension in there as a fight was going on and your car or property was parked within like two kilometres of the place we we're at, whew, yeah good luck remember, to you. I remember like sitting out Sakura Guanabo and the sun was going down, and I think
0: Pino like didn't even have time to come surf, but he paddled out in the lineup just to paddle out with your antenna.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that day real well. He tried <laughs> to whip me with it. He's off his head. But that happens so often. We would trade blows. I think i Did a rain dance on someone's car in the car park at Suck Rock once. Obviously, not proud of that, but that was getting someone back. That was a bit of a a payback. I'm so glad I was so
0: young at that period of time that
1: I didn't own a car or really any belongings. Yeah, you were just just, in the backseat, just cruising, eating mac and grum abuse. Yeah, I wasn't mac, it was KFC for you. Mm. Dirty Bird was your hit. That was a big thing in my life.
0: I don't really eat KFC that much anymore.
1: You've got out of the. Yeah, like, don't be
0: wrong, I eat as much as. Like anyone does nowadays, but back then
1: it was like God. I was eating. Oh, that you stuff had a hangover like, for sure. Yeah.
0: Apparently, my mum used to crave it when she was I pregnant mean, with me. So this. I reckon that's where it's trickled down. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's true. I, I've heard that in a lot of pregnancies where um, the mum, the mum to be, is kind of going, oh, "I want this, I want that," and that can translate down to the child mm-hmm. psycho. Yeah, I mean, like, lucky it was KFC or you know, like meth or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I do. And I know we sh- we probably shouldn't really be laughing about that because that is a reality. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're not going to laugh, you're going to cry, right? So. Yeah, true. You've got to have a bit of a giggle. <laughs> I'm getting too woke on this shit. We've oh, got to I- bring back comedy that just, like, you know, there's still some comedians out there. I love listening to listening to Theo Vaughn and Joe Potty recently and – um. Anything with Theo Bonin is just out of control. Yeah, like he, brother
0: is so funny. oh
1: man, he's happy to go places that you shouldn't go, and you know it's all in good fun, and you just got to take it for what it is. Yeah, but you can't say that in this day and age in a lot of aspects, and I understand the sensitivities, but at the same time, there's a place for comedy, there's a place for rudeness, there's a place for crassness, and I think it's all about context, you know, time and a place for everything,
0: and if yeah. something is not intentionally malicious, like don't be wrong, there's a line. Um, for sure.
1: But like. It, it's, but it's, it's so subjective there. Do you yeah. you know what I mean? Like an objective in the way of like, it's so many different circumstances with people's different points of view come into it. So then where's the line drawn? The line is constantly shifting in the sand. That's the hardest thing that you've got to juggle, eh?
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. That line moves so much. And yeah, I think your environment depicts that line and just takes a bit of. Social awareness, is that the right term? That's I guess. Yeah, like. Bang on, bro. That's yeah. the, the term. 100%. But, um, oh, yeah, like, conversations I have with you and the conversations I have with my students will be very different things, <laughs> you know? Like, it's all about just adapting to your environment. And I'm not saying that changes you as a person at all, but it is. Yeah. Um, well They shifted so far away from bodyboard. No, I love it.
1: A hundred percent. It's it's getting deep. But I was saying and even so with environment shifting, we both know our hometown is most certainly shifting Cronulla. There's a lot of development there happening at the moment. And yeah. I probably just want to go back on a nostalgic path and um relive some of the moments like growing up around the area. Like what did you love most about Cronulla? You know, like what were some of your fondest memories and what were the things that stick in your mind when you look back on it and it was sun drenched, you know? What were the fucking rainbows and lollipops moment? And what were the dark subtleties ripping up the coast, ready <laughs> to fucking make it rain in Cronulla?
0: I don't know. I, I guess I was really blessed to grow up in Cronulla when I did because it was a time where it was still financially viable for like a single mother to raise a child in Cronulla. There was still, I'm not saying we grew up in ghetto or anything, but we definitely weren't. Like just being a single mother in for that For sure, terms, it's a lot harder. One um, income. Yeah, so I was very lucky that mum, uh, yeah, me and mum lived within walking distance of
1: Shark Island, kind of thing. Um, you were nestled in the perfect spot, bro, because yeah. you had like Ozone Street, for example, actually is going through massive recon um, redevelopment at the moment. There's a lot of apartments being ripped down, but you, when you were there, it was like. S- topped out like five stories, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, man, it was just such a nice sort of part of the neighbourhood. You had, like, North Cronulla to the north. You were right on that um, section before it hit South Cronulla where all the pools were. Mm. Like, it, it was quite quiet because you were really um, separated from all the hustle and bustle and Gerald Street. Yeah, and um- –
0: it was like astonishing to think that like, like 'cause nowadays you couldn't afford that unless you were kind of like in the elite oh, status to live in that kind of area. But there's a million those apartments now. Oh yeah, which is crazy, thinking that like yeah, it would even wouldn't even be, would be less than a quarter of that back then. And that wasn't even that long ago. I know, That's I mean, like fifteen I know. years ago. But um yeah, look, I was surfing before that, don't get me wrong. But those years, like I was going to high school at Cronulla High. Very rarely, but I was, <laughs> yeah, but that was like skating distance. Like, if you skated north for five minutes, you're at my high school. If you walked five minutes south, you're at Shark Island. Yeah. Um, luckily, like, I was the youngest of our kind of group, like the Cronulla Body Waters. I would say, like, I was the youngest by quite a bit. So, Definitely. luckily, everyone else had their license. So, Sucker Rock was always very, like, actually.
1: You remember but how think...
0: often my parents would be just chilling out suck or well, my mom and then like my now stepdad Gary would just be like chilling out suck rock in the car park oh, w- for with, sure. while I was surfing as a kid. Like I know, I was like very, very lucky that I was, had very supportive parents for oh, me surfing, like
1: Man. That and, was uh, the ultimate. Like to be thinking about where, you know, obviously your skill took to where your skill took you to where you ended up, obviously with the lofty heights of being on the world tour and competing at the highest level and and excellent free surfing mm-hmm. levels. But like you had the support networks there too, like at the time as bodyboarding was rushing up, like it was really good because they identified you at a young age of going well. You know, it's almost like what and I always compare back to surfing. I hope people don't take offense to that in a bodyboarding podcast, but what Jarvis Earl is at the moment coming out of Cronulla. Mm-hmm. And I'm only just saying that as, a, as we are both local fellas and we can see him yeah. in the water a lot. I mean, you Jarvis those... has gone a lot further already than I ever went, but, no, you know. But it was it was the similar thing because she was so young, and that's back to the point, too, of you hanging hanging out with us older blokes at the time. There was no other younger kid that was hanging out with us. You were hanging out with us because you had the skill to go surf the waves that we were surfing, and you wanted to challenge yourself. A hundred percent, and it wasn't, like, don't when I was
0: growing up, like, younger than that, when I was first getting into bodyboarding, like, not seriously, but when it became, like, the obsession. You're doing it every afternoon after school, like. My kind of two best mates at the time, Aaron and Morgan, they were my age. We all surfed. I was the worst out of the three of us. Those boys used to tear like shreds on me, kind of thing, when we were first surfing the alley and stuff. And I guess that made me so much more competitive to go and be better and surf bigger waves and stuff. And then that led me to go on, like, oh, I can't surf with the boys anymore. I got to go hang with the big kids because I want to go surf the big kid waves, kind of thing. And yeah. this is like eight, at the age of like twelve or something. I'm like, no, I want to go. I don't. I need to go.
1: Was this before or after the Hydro ad? Oh, well after, man. I was like 10 years old then. That ad. Can we just quickly recap on that? <laughs> oh, yeah, That man. ad, man. So you went, one of the first times that you've hit – the press in, in, in oh, the industry of Riptide. First time, um, rip- yeah, it was Riptide too, yeah. Um, it was Riptide, yeah, it's always get mixed up. Oh, yeah, so
0: Hydro Bodyboards, which aren't even a company anymore, I don't think. Um, Does d- d-
1: detectors still exist? I don't oh, know. <laughs> that's, uh, we, we, we should know that. Man, to be perfectly honest, that product served people so well that had huge issues with like – the dolphin cut and the rubbing on the certain mm. parts of the foot. Oh,
0: they were comfy. They're again.
1: hideous. I agree. Mm. I was that you'd look like <laughs> the ones. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> unnatural, and that's why everyone goes for the dolphin cuts. You look like yeah an animal in, in in the fucking ocean. It's just what you expect. But for for performance, I think they're really good. For aesthetics, they are fucking zero. It's yeah, unfortunate.
0: Hundred um, percent unfortunate. And look, I don't think they ever even meant to get into the bodyboarding world. They're
1: like a big body surfing
0: kind of. thing. Company, what I okay. think, yeah. yeah, like the guy Mickey owned them, was it? Yeah, yeah, no,
1: no offense to Hydro. No, no, they sick. were
0: great. And look, there's, there's no offense to them at all. They were great. I'm just saying they don't exist anymore in the yeah. bodyboarding world. But, but um, that ad, where yeah, were they you? didn't and have who a took team. The photo, so they didn't have a team or anything, and they ran some competition in Riptide, like. Based, I think the idea was to get people to buy their boards. They'll, like, get a photo on a hydro board, like, and we'll pick the best ones and run it as, like, the back cover of Riptide um, as, like, yeah, like, the winner.
1: And you'll get a board with your name on it like it's a pro model kind of thing. (laughs) Um, It's actually not that bad of an idea because as a Grom, you'd be snapping at that.
0: Yeah, dude. So I was like 9, 10 years old and I was like, my dream was to be in a bodyboarding mag. And this was like the most achievable way to do it. I still couldn't ride a bodyboard for shit back then. So, like, Sorry, we got the beep button. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, so no, like I had a... God, what board was I writing at it, it was yellow. It was yellow. I think it was a foreplay. Yeah, it was. play Hardy. Oh, yeah. Because um, that was really... like, it was hard to get boards in a 36
1: back then. They just didn't really
0: exist. There was only a couple on the market and like Hardy did one definitely.
1: You chose a stylish mount um, for your... For one of those boards? Yeah, so... Like when of your first boards. Is that when you first boards? Oh, yeah, but it was like the epoxy one,
0: like the real cheap version, like the kids' okay, one, like yeah, it didn't yeah. have like a Serling Slick It would have been pumped like out that. of Kmart or
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like one of like the
0: cheaper ones, but it was like still sick.
1: Yeah. Um, oh,
0: man, for your age, like you're not going to notice. Oh, 100%. No, like, oh, we can go back into first boards, but I knew what fitted me from like, Lester sorted me out when I was a bit younger than that even with... um. Let's keep going with the hydro. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So I had this four-player yellow board. I wasn't going to buy a hydro board for this ad, but my dad—he um, works. He's actually now just retired, but I was working in marketing for years, running ab- like in an advertising company. Photo. So he kind of had, yeah. So he is, he had photo editors and stuff. So look, actually, if you look up this photo, like. It's, it's, it's not a good edit. It's honestly probably <laughs> still out there. I've, I've
1: I've got you up on um, Google at the moment. There's some classic shots. There's some good ones at the Island. There's some good ones at Nugan. Yeah. There's some good ones at Suck Rock. But I'm, I can't see this hydro at. I'll, I'll have yeah. to type this in. Well, so yeah, me and my dad went out like this wave. You'll have to post it on your Instagram for anyone who's listening to this. We, we yeah, have to get we it can, up. we'll
0: find it somewhere. But actually, so it's a way me and Luke actually surfed this afternoon called Sand Shoes in Crawler. and it's not known as bodyboarding wave. <laughs> yeah,
1: isn't that ironic? Yeah,
0: it's not a bodyboarding wave whatsoever. Um, It's great for like a mal. Our boy Cam Staunton rips out there in his mouth. I don't think anyone's ever written on a bodyboard. <laughs> so yeah. me and my dad went out there, and he had this like cheap as like Sony Cam, handy cam thing that could go in the water and it's just a photo of me like puffy cheeks bottom turning on like a not even three foot wave kind of thing but you're definitely pumping the chest out
1: yeah. like you got the style
0: and i was like nine years old or whatever and then dad just at work
1: photoshopped like a perfect hydro logo over the top of the four Smart flavor man because this day and age you could do that just at home with an app but yeah now like back 15 or oh, 15 years ago well, I'm 20 I'm turning 29 in two weeks so no sorry 20, 20 years ago, ago <laughs> wow, yeah like sorry. it wasn't that easy like
0: yeah. um yeah I'm pretty sure it came it was like a film photo as well that then was scanned in and oh, then, like, yeah yeah because yeah, you could get those like chemist film cameras I'm pretty yeah. sure it was something like that yeah
1: yeah I remember the ones of what and you'd get like 30 shots on them and you could get them to, you obviously it was like single use, mm. get them developed. Yeah. And and as long as you didn't shake them around too much, they stayed waterproof. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they were good. So it was just something like that. And then, um, yeah, then Riptide,
0: I, I, I was like the, there was they picked like three winners or something. I was one of three. The guy who won like the number one winner, his shot was actually sick. I swear it was like Kiki or something on a like pink hydro board, just like getting like flogged like an old like, Full both Clark the,
1: Little shot. Yeah, like
0: you know like those Botha style shots where they're <laughs> yeah. like up in the lip. Like yeah. his one was mad. Mine was like ridiculous at it even. But Yeah, but for a nine year old, I think that's yeah, what they're highlighting. And then all of a sudden I had this like Hydro Samstracken
1: board. That's so good. Um
0: that was sick. It was like the first quality made board I think I'd like really had. Um like don't get me wrong, Lester back in when I was, like, really, really young, sorted me out with a board that actually fitted me for the first time, which was huge, um, and Rayon, who I'm um, <laughs> still getting boards off now to this day through NMD, like, he um, was kind of the OG Cronulla shaper yeah, um, back in the he? day. But, um, yeah, look, Rayon it was Fisher. sick. I had the the CLU Hydro board. Um, man, I lost it at Devs really? on a big day. Yeah,
1: the, you know, like. How long did you have it before you lost it? Oh,
0: years, years. At okay. this point, I like was so it using it as ride. a shory board kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Um, but yeah, there's this wave in Bundina that's kind of pretty similar to Kiki in Hawaii. So on the opposite
1: side of... Bait Bay, I guess, on the most yeah. southern tip. Pretty much where the National Park starts. Jack Baker and Sam Van will be losing it. With oh, they'll be, the be off it. Max it. they all be stewing up. They're at the Bundo RSO right now just slamming their beers on Come the table. Come and get me, boys. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I know for a fact Sammy Van's um, traveling through SA with Kip Caddy at the moment. They're oh, yeah. They're looking for a little bit of And then Jack's off in on. Java
0: and here we are talking about Shorries. I know.
1: Yeah, there is um. some
0: pretty dead set good locations and we're getting yeah. there. That's fine. But, yeah, um, no, that wave, you know, like, for a swell to get into this farther bay, it needs to be, like, huge. Like, needs, the island needs to be unridable kind of thing. Definitely, yeah. Um, So, yeah, the amount of water coming into the river mouth was just, like, so intense. My board got dragged out in a big set. And within not even a minute, it was, like, halfway out into the bay, getting swept out to sea. And I'm like, oh, I fuck. am going to drown if I go out there. Like, there's no coming back. See so yeah, how I just had to watch
1: it go out mm. out to
0: sea. Oh, was, yeah, sorry, it was going. The tide was going out. So yeah, it was going out to sea, not coming into the river. But man, yeah, the um, ocean
1: giveth and the ocean taketh.
0: I just feel bad littering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, I, I, I get that aspect, mm. but when you see all the other crap that gets swept away on a constant basis, man. Like you look at. You know, we reference this all the time living in the Port Hacking. That's one of the cleanest river systems in Sydney because it's got the National Park to like flush it out every time mm. with natural filtration from rain running through like all the sandstone into the water where like the Georges River that flows out into the Cornell region, man, like – that is stinking water, yeah. you know. Like, it's a lovely place, Cornell, and I, I love it. And I, I'd, I'd happily live there, except for that water and constantly like having to dive into it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I was in there for like
0: five years, and don't be wrong, like it's so lovely walking the dog down the beach there, but that's not a refreshing swim. No, no. it's no. like you, yeah, I need a shower,
1: yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's still o- okay to go in, don't get me wrong, but it's just not that refreshingness, as you said, you get from the hacking side. Like, when we were at the shoes today, mm. like, man, I know it's only small, it's one or two foot. We were just having a having a fun service was there was four of us out and then it was just you and me out at the end. Mm. And um that water you could see for ten meters. Yeah. Under so. for sure. Ten meter vs. And that's right on the edge of a river. Mm. I actually get so weird, the only place really in um in the Bay Bay region for waves that really gets me, like suck rock occasionally But because, you know, you are out on that little mushroom rock and whatever it is and that guy got taken over at Malabar and, you know, sharks are everywhere. But when you're at fucking Shoes and you're just on the edge of that river there and you know things flow in and out and you're constantly seeing boats going in and out and you see, like, seagulls following, like, not huge fishing trawlers, but people that have been fishing with catches and they've chummed up. And I mean, it's not like we don't know there's no sharks there. Remember the front page of the leader back, like, this would be in like
0: 2015 or something, was just a huge great white in the middle of the river oh, there sure, at um, Northwest yeah. Arm.
1: Yeah, dude, that's, I mean, they've taught tiger sharks down there. Yeah. You know, oh, how's this? I got a video sent to me by um, one of my nephews over in WA on Lauren's side of the family. Who There's this... Chicks filming this guy getting eaten by a tiger shark in the Red Sea. Oh, I saw that Israel. this morning, yeah. In Egypt, sorry, yeah, on, yeah, on the Egypt yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, and then
0: they, like, yeah, the end of that story was pretty horrible. They, like, pulled it ashore
1: and clubbed the thing yeah, to death. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty horrible. But supposedly there was, like, 80% of the, the dudes, the body's gone. Yeah, no, I saw the video. It's not okay. It's not, and you see how it comes back around? yeah. Like, circles. Yeah. Oh, it's, my um, goodness.
0: Which is so strange. So, like, um... With what I do for work, you know, I did that documentary series with Fanning, The so we did that um, yeah. National Geographic, yeah. Save This Shark. Was that with Wally too? Was Wally no, on that? No, no. Um, Mark Tipple and um, – oh, God, I'm having the biggest mind, Blake. No, there was no other really bodyboarders on that okay, shoot, but sorry, um, yep. Taylor Steele directed it. Yeah, that was um, okay, yeah. Yep, So he's obviously – That's pretty legit. That's yeah, a cool cast. So he's obviously like directed – <laughs> like momentum and all of kelly slater's big videos and stuff but now he's into documentary work so yeah um yeah him and uh mick fanning and a couple other guys um yeah they had this well basically fanning wanted to conquer his fear of sharks after what happened i don't blame him yeah which he did jumped in the cage um off south australia with like god the first dive he did was with like full five-meter female that was kind of aggressive going for the cage and stuff. Oh, Um, man. Yeah, he stitched me up there. But,
1: yeah, basically what we learned. Did you have to get in the cage with
0: him? Oh, I didn't have to, but, like, yeah, I got given an opportunity and it was like. Did you get in the cage? Yeah, I was like, when am I going to get to do
1: this again? That's
0: psycho. It was sick, And it was a five-meter female on heat. Um, that one, so that was a different day. That was just the first time kind of me conquered and got in there, and he came out just like kind of frothing, like it was awesome. What I was getting at though with that guy and eating is like, so we learned like basically every shark attack they spit the humans out, they don't
1: want to eat them, like it's just they're testing it
0: out. So the fact that it kept coming back and eating it
1: is so strange. I know, dude, there's been studies at the moment that come out of California that supposedly 80% of the time surfers, this two year long study just concluded, shows that they're swimming within 50 to 100 metres of great white sharks. Yeah. The great white sharks are within striking distance and do not give a flying fuck because, Mm. as we all know, this doesn't help when you're in dark, murky water and you're in a situation where it's bleak and it might be dawn or dusk and you're thinking about what's occurring because that does heighten the chances of getting attacked, but they don't want to eat you. They're
0: Mm. not there to eat you. 100%. Everything we saw in their studies was like – um. Every single attack, the per- the person attacked has been spat back out. Um, and there was even the case um, up in Byron where the guy did get properly swallowed and eaten and then they found the great white dead It had beached itself out on one of the islands off Byron and regurgitated half the human, was just dead exactly. on the rocks. Exactly, yeah. I don't know if that changes because this one was a tiger shark, the one just in Egypt. Like maybe they're different, but also tiger sharks are so dopey. like. They're not known for being aggressive. They're known for, like, trying to sneak up on you. and things. Yeah. You can swim with tiger sharks. Like, that was that's what blew me away in that documentary. Um, uh, the girls that were kind of the crew hands on the boat. Yep. They were, like, um, they're all studying marine biology. They're all kind of students and stuff doing this thing. But they were psychos. They're just such badasses. They're, like, manning the cages and stuff. And then they'd see a tiger shark and they'd be, like, oh, there's one we can play with and just jump in and go for a swim with it. Like these like fully grown like five-meter tiger sharks and they're just like patting it like it's a Labrador kind of thing. It's
1: so insane.
0: Psycho. They wouldn't do that with the Great Whites. But like, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely not.
0: No, but there was this opportunity. Um, So we were on the Rodney Fox, which is the only um kind of shark cage boat down in South Oz that has the. That's um, the
1: beanie you had on today.
0: Yeah, it is the beanie. Yeah, the today. red
1: beanie. I was looking at that, going, "Wonder what Rodney Fox is."
0: Yeah, so ah, oh, he's um a legend. So he's like the first marine biologist. He invented the shark educate cage. Educate me,
1: please. Educate me.
0: Yeah, so so he um invented the shark cage. He used to be an ab diver. He got bitten um really really badly. Uh, there's quite crazy photos of you know, like 200 stitches in his back. Really? So he got he, taken on the side. Yeah, and then he went on this like full coal sharks hunt, like hectic, and then just fully swung. And became kind of the first marine biologist to really study sharks. Um, and he was the marine biologist that did like Jaws. Wow! So that's apparently his biggest regret in life was doing the Jaws films because he reckons he vilified the
1: the shark and basically put a stereotype out there where people were consistently frightened of them. So nowadays, like, so he's um, God, he'd be. I uh, maybe eighty
0: now or something. Um mm. his son Andrew Fox runs the company. So there's a the Rodney Fox Museum in South Australia, which is like the Shark Museum. That's not the only one in Streaky Bay, is it? Uh, it's in Port Lincoln.
1: So I, think um, I went to that one. So no, it's a proper big streaky. facility.
0: I've been to the one in streaky that's just got the big shark yeah, on display, but that's yeah. in the back
1: of a servo, isn't it? What yeah, no, that's just about? like the
0: world record shark that's ever been caught. We yeah. both went there together. Yeah, I think. that's a gnarly one. Um, but that no, this is you. like a proper museum.
1: Yeah, um, the Rodney Foxman, and then his son. Isn't it funny? I've been to Port Lincoln three times now, and you still find things to do there. Yeah, Port Lincoln's crazy. It's like yeah. the most affluent suburb in south australia isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's like the, the tuna yeah it's like the tuna farm yeah it's like the bloody bondi of south yeah us. fuck there's some good waves there
0: but yes yeah, so his son now runs the boat the Running fox expedition boat and they've got the only license kind of that's like the scientific study license the rest are just tourist boats yeah so they're taking students out there which means they're allowed to one uh, release the cage to the ocean floor rather than just keep it on the surface. So that goes down to like 20 metres depth and wow. um, you can actually see sharks in their natural environment. So and instead then, of
1: drawing them up to the surface. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: you don't have to, ch- and obviously once like the they're going at the cage or it's chummed up, they're so aggressive. So what depth
1: is their natural environment? You were saying at like 20 feet? Uh, no, I think that was more
0: like I think that was more like 10, 20 meters. 10, 20 meters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Arctic. no, it was
1: deep, deep. Like I had to pressurize okay. my way up quite a so few So like times. as in 50, 60 feet. Yeah, yeah, deep as kind of
0: thing. They're just cruising on the bottom. And that was, oh, man, that was what we to Me had too. So like, you know, like you see in the shark films, like the big fin cruising. We were seeing fully grown great whites, four or five minutes long swimming on the surface and their fins were not even two centimetres out of the water. You would never see this thing coming, you know what I mean? There's no
1: big fin coming after you like in the movies. It's so dramatised with that. Oh, 100%. But that's even scary. I'd rather see a fin. (laughs) I know, 100%. But they're a predator that uses that that surprise element. Mm. But they've got to use that at the start. Because if you see them coming, you can kind of – Not fend, I mean, (laughs) never had an encounter with a shark, I've had to fend it off, but Mm. I'd imagine if you could see it coming from a certain distance, if you had an object that you could thrust into their mouth or their nose, which is obviously their more weaker point, Mm. you know, you might stand a bit more of a chance. I think after, like, so the experience when I got in the
0: surface cage, like, I've realised, like, if it wants you, there's nothing we can do as a human being in that environment. Like, (laughs) they're so big. So, like, the thing is, like, most attacks are with, like, the juveniles. Um, Like, when they're transitioning from when they stop eating fish and start eating seals and they don't quite know what to eat because they're abandoned. Especially in a black wetsuit. Think about it. Well, yeah, so the thing is like sharks don't have a mum or a dad to teach them what's up. The second they're given birth to, they're just offending for themselves. So they're yep. off and then once they realise, oh, fish aren't filling me up, I've got to eat something bigger, they're going for seals when they're kind of that three, four metre length. But they're in between so they're just biting anything.
1: Going, yeah. Is this food?
0: Is that food? And so, yeah, you don't really hear too many attacks with, like, your fully grown ones. But if they want you, man, like, that mouth, once it opens up, like, there's no fending that off with a stick or something. Like, no, you're there isn't. Like, so it. much trouble. Yeah.
1: Especially even if it is just three meters. Like, people think, oh, three meters? Yeah, but think about your length as a human being. Mm. A tall human being 1.9 meters. Yeah, man. And that's, like, like... And that's a tall human being. Raw power. But, um, yeah, so I had the opportunity... So
0: Mick was being like the star of the show kind of thing, everything revolved around him. like, so I'm just doing the sound. I wasn't yep. getting in there for sound. We had kind of radio comms, um, but I'd be like waiting on the boat the second to get out of the water. And we did all the interviews on the boat and things because we're out off the, um, is it the Apostle, Apostle? Not the Apostles. Where's the, the islands off the bottom of Port Lincoln where they film Jaws and things. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Neptune, yeah, islands. yeah. Neptune Islands. Neptune Islands, yeah. So we're off of the Neptune Islands. So like, we weren't coming in. We stayed out there for like two weeks on the boat. That would have been um, amazing. Yeah, it was
1: awesome, man. It was um, – Did you have, like, stormy conditions and clear conditions? Uh, like? Heading
0: out and in was, like, yeah, really – you can imagine. South yeah, so I was thinking, like, big storms. Um, But, yeah, once we were out there, you, like, sheltered in the Neptune you know, on yeah. of the Cove. Uh, still, yeah, it got, I got sick going out there. It was Did gnarly. Yeah. It was, like, going out in, like – like five meters swell or something, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what boat you have, like that swaying mm-hmm. backwards and forwards. If you're motion sickness. Oh, I'm being the sound guy, too. No one gives a shit about you, so I'm in like the bottom,
1: bottom bunk. at <laughs> the
0: bottom of the boat is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you no better give this man some rum
1: <laughs> and just send him on his that's way. That's what
0: ended up sorting me out. Hey, so did you like, have some rum? No, so like, um, going. Out there, like I just had the worst time, sick the whole way, and then coming back, I was like, I'm not even gonna try and sleep this time. Let's just ride it. Down. I'm not going online in that bed because that's what made me sick. And then the crew were up after they like finished their shift, and they're all drinking and playing cards, kind of things. They were going yeah. back to land, and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna hang with these guys. Got wasted, went back, fell asleep, woke up, was on land. I'm like, This is great.
1: Fuck, that's <laughs> just so skipped funny.
0: it. But um, yeah, because he was a star, and he was doing the deep ocean floor dives like there's only so many times you can do that in a row before you gotta take like a two hour or whatever yep. break i don't know the, i don't have a scuba lessons so i don't know the details but um in regards to equalizing and coming yeah up, basically we had bends, to stop shooting for an hour yeah the, it's for the bends the yeah bends, uh, yeah um see we had to stop shooting for an hour but there was still a sh- like fully grown female um and then a further one out just circling the cage and we're like it's pretty prime time and the director, like Taylor, and um, the producers kind of gone to me, look, if, there's, if you want to get in the cage, this is probably your only opportunity. We've got an hour break in the middle of shooting with a shark. Like, go. And I was like, shit, never put a wetsuit on so fast in my life. Um, I had this. How cold was the water?
1: Uh, not too bad. Like 16.
0: To be honest i didn't even tell you i couldn't even tell you like you don't even i was so adrenaline rushed oh, like bro, I'm, actually I'm getting, getting a shot so i didn't even think about it it was a 4-3 yeah. weddy but it I'm was actually a bit- such a fucking mistake so they had all the dive weddies on the boat which i should have just used yeah but being like a surfer i'm like oh i got like my weddy on me like because i thought i might have to get in the water for some stuff so i just had my like beautiful new reflex 4-3 that i think like desi hooked me up with um, that I could never ever wear again because I they're jumping. They're, firstly, they're like, oh, have you ever like scuba'd before? And I was like, oh, if I say no, they're not going to let me get in the boat. So I'm like, yeah. They put me on one of those like breath pipes. I jump in the water. I'm like, I can't breathe. I had no idea what was going on because it's like I've never breathed through one of those things before. Neither have I. What do you have to do? Yeah, um, You have to actually press a button to get oxygen. No, no. You just got to just relax. Like you mm. can't take huge breaths or anything. And it's just yeah. really weird at first. And it's fine once you calm down. But at first I was like, what the hell going on? And then, to um, so yeah, again, cage in my. As <laughs> you
1: just saying, let me just set the scene for a second. Let me just get my my bearings on this. You're about to jump in with a five meter beast that is like one of the oldest predators to ever live on this earth. Mm. Like I'm talking millions of years old, like prehistoric dinosaur shit. They ruled the ocean. Well, I know megalodons probably probably you know outdid them, and there were bigger things prior. But and you 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 just like. It just going into their 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 scene and you're carrying on about you know knowing that you know how to use <laughs> yeah how to a scuba oxygen it. device like you're yeah. just like <laughs> <laughs> confidently going yeah yeah no, that sweet man it's sweet and then diving in panicked as fuck not knowing how to use it and then do you see the beast like do you, do you yeah see? so I like I get in I'm like oh, I
0: can't breathe and then like I see this thing in the swim bars and and then just Disappears and I'm like, oh, oh, well, whatever, it's gone. Like, because that happens quite a bit, getting the cage, nothing happens. Yeah. Um, and then I'm pretty sure, like, it wasn't a full bucket, it was pretty bloody close to it, though. So, because they've got a scientific license, they're actually allowed to chum up some of the water. Like, you're not allowed to do that as a tourist boat, you're not allowed to attract the sharks, but because they're studying them, they are allowed to. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's there ready to go. And then we also had it because a bunch of the scientists were doing um, giant GT studies at the time. Giant Trevally's. Giant GT. That was GGT. Yeah, I was singing. like that. Sorry, giant Trevally's studies um, at the same time. So we had a bunch of bait in these buckets. Um, So, yeah, I'm sitting in there like what's going on. And I think like what's going through Mick's mind is like, oh, this is his only chance to do it. Let's make it fun. And it's just like poured this bucket of bait into the top of the cage, like straight on top of me. So like While I go from in the cage. yeah. So I go from like crystal clear ocean, oh, Neptune Islands water this. to just red cloud. Uh. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then it kind of settles and everything kind of is just too still. And then uh. just like the biggest force impact on the bottom of the cage I've ever felt just like this thing's come, I'm going away from the microphone. It's trying to like, you can see me describing this, but, um, yeah, just from under me, just these things hit the cage so, so hard. Like, and I've just flung up into the top of it and like freaking out. And then like you kind of it's almost as quick as you get scared, you realise, oh, that's like six inches of steel. I'm sweet, it is not getting through that. It's not getting through, yeah. And you're like, that washes over you and it's I it must yeah. be like I've never parachuted, but it must be like that feeling between when you jump out going, oh, I'm gonna die, or oh I'm fine. Cause I was just like sweet and I could breathe and I was watching this thing attack and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so sick. Like watching this thing, just so fucking angry, just going at it. And yeah, so there was actually in the end, another one came from that and there was two of them going at the cage for maybe like 10 minutes. And I was just like in there watching that all unfold. That's um, okay. Did it
1: wipe your fear of sharks now? Like no, not at all. The... It enhanced it like it so much.
0: <laughs> That's what I would always think. I, I was people eating... who say, "Yeah, I got in the cage. now I'm not scared of sharks." Did not see a fucking big shark. They are idiots. <laughs> yeah, when you see a fucking like, uh, this thing with its mouth open was. I don't know, like it's my arm span kind of thing. Like yeah, it was yes.
1: so – those things are just raw power. And you think about them just being great whites, then a Megalodon is what, between 10 to 15 meters? Oh, yeah, man. Like, Do you know what I mean? Pers- and then compare that to the 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 bigger sharks that were, that were probably prior to that. Like it's just yeah, – yeah, obviously like, you know, as a species has to adapt to their food source, it's going to get smaller and smaller or larger and larger if it's most abundant. But – yeah, you know, it's psycho to think how big they would have been back. I not the They've been like there's sharks in the ocean now that have been
0: alive longer than Australia's been colonised. Like the Greenland shark, well, lives to four hundred years yeah, old. It's yeah, it's been around since before Australia was colonised. Like yeah. Obviously, it was Australia it was still Australia with the indigenous population at the time. But there's sharks that have seen all of that, like not seen it physically. you know what I mean, they've been they've on been, this earth exactly. whilst all of these things have happened. Like, yeah, and we've had,
1: seen men evolve yeah, in their lifetime. We've had generals, we've had prime ministers, we've yeah. had senators, we've had, we've had barmaids, we've had carpenters. Yeah, we've had fucking pastry chefs. In saying that, like we people go by the wayside. Big changes at the moment, and
0: like, what we're going to tell our kids at the moment? We've got to be had a pandemic, a war in Russia, buddy. Chat GTP. Yeah,
1: Jesus, AI is now alive. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, the quality of this sound, while we've got a microphone taped up to a verb champagne bottle, is quite astounding. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you think about that. as just a as a as a lounge room setup compared to something that's like fucking. You know, set up in a proper studio or even then oh, yeah, the,
0: the fact that we can yeah, sit here with a laptop and just record ourselves speaking is, uh, in
1: such high quality. But It is incredible, isn't it, when you think about it and how quickly technology has jumped and leaps and bounds because when I was growing up, you look at records and they were a big thing to impact, um, say, our, our parents' lives because they would throw a record on and when they came out, they could harness their favourite artists, um, you know, Pure emotions, really, like all laid down onto this vinyl soundtrack. Mm. Didn't have to wait for the radio or whatever. And then it went to CDs, and you know, you had MP3s. And, and think about how many, how whatever. quick it's even
0: gone in since, yeah, like, since we've
1: been kids. So it's been yeah. like what? And it's escalated. When we were
0: like young, young, like, probably.
1: Diskmans bro Walkmans
0: Although told we toddlers what it was still like your tapes kind of thing in the car And then yep. we saw CDs come along And then all of a sudden everyone had MP3 players yeah. Then the iPod came out and you oh could actually no. pick a song And that was the like groundbreaking was
1: yeah. And then even smartphones say like I remember when 3 came out Yeah. Remember 3 phone company And they came out oh, with yeah, the flip phones That held right. the ability to have audio files yeah. And you could have your music on there Only a very select, maybe 20 songs mm. And then yeah, to this day now you've got like
0: Spotify,
1: any song you've ever heard at your disposal, oh, kind a joke, of thing. Isn't and like, it? and, the and with each
0: step, the musicians being paid less. And less I, know,
1: life, so. I know. I actually have listened to a couple of podcasts recently that have referenced that and how disgraceful it is that the music conglomerate just continues just to roll on, and the producers and the. The PR agents and and everyone involved in, like, more the administration side of things is probably their palms are greased more and more where the actual star and talent and the people that are producing the actual um, art form are being paid less. It's quite fucked.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, like, man, if it puts out any context, like, so my band obviously never made, we weren't. At all, big musicians or fresh musicians, but say we put stuff on Spotify.
1: What is your like? Tell. uh tell Beyond people. the Willows was our last,
0: my last project. I'm not in a band at the moment. I'm just kind of producing other bands as well as my job. But I'm um, like, look, our album. I think in total between all the songs, maybe had like forty, fifty thousand streams. I think the Spotify, the check we got from Spotify was like seven dollars. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Wild, that. that's man. Crazy. You think about like the money that goes into. Look, like, we were never doing it for the money. Never doing it to make it. I just like. I know. Part but of you would see music part of my life. That's all I cared about. But the amount of money someone pours into that yeah. to think that's not even you're not even getting um what you would use to get for one CD sale is out it, of that
1: many streams. Yeah, exactly. Which is disgraceful. One unit, one sale. And yeah. now because it's digitized and everyone can get their greedy little mitts on it. What What about um when you compare it, say to YouTube, and you know you've got to hit that million. Um, oh, it's all follower. I mean, million views. Sorry, aspect because if you hit that part, then supposedly your pay does increase substantially, and it kind of hits the <laughs> yeah, like I mean, the they, money making time.
0: And you'd hope so because like they're doing a lot for that company, so you know, oh, no, no, they're no, no, bringing no, no. the
1: ad stream in. But like, dude, for sure, I'm, I'm saying like with a million views. But is it the same with Spotify? Does it translate over that way? Like, if oh, you hit nah, a million views, do you get all. more? You don't get more. No. Nah. So it's, it's a what set, is right? the actual deal there? Oh, like what's the rate? So like if you get forty thousand listens, why do you only get seven dollars? Oh, it's
0: not it's like zero point zero zero one cent a stream or something yeah. like that. They don't tell you
1: the the percentage? Oh, I'm
0: sure it's somewhere. i like we didn't I've never it. got big enough to yeah, get a legal yeah, yeah. team to look into it. I'm sure I could look it up on like the artist thing, but like yeah, it's and that's I guess getting off topic like the money side of things like because for me like i'm just recording bands i have a set fee i don't care about these royalty stream things which yep. is nice being on that end of it but the thing that kills me is i see how much money that the musician pours in before it kind of to no avail. you know what i mean oh
1: for sure man it's an empty road yeah it's hard um whereas like yeah you could make almost like bodyboarding in certain ways <laughs> <body>. <laughs> Look, I I got in at a good time, got out at a
0: good time, I think. Like, I'm lucky.
1: You nailed it. You got especially, like, in your late teens, I felt like – Bodyboarding was still humming along and those were the days of the APB. And not saying it isn't now, like the IBC and what they're doing mm. and the show they just put on Anna Fagasso and Arika was, was epic, man. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped on it. But thinking about where you were that time going. Yeah, so over. I saw the end of the IBA. I saw the I saw the demise of the IBA. It was like my yeah.
0: time in bodyboarding. Oh, so you went with the APB. It was the IBA. IBA. No, so the ABP is what came out of the shit fight that got me out of the sport.
1: Oh, hectic. Because Sorry, I've, remember, I've IBA ahead. and
0: Turbo were affiliated, so that's where yes. everything fell apart yes. i still did some APB events but yeah no i was never doing that
1: tour yeah i was just thinking more so because leo was part of the APB, and there was the connection there but yeah you were there earlier with yeah the- yeah
0: no like i can't really go too deep into it for like legal reasons but yeah the same guy was kind of the main financer and runner of the IBA was also the guy who owned Turbo Bodyboards. Greg so, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Who had the yeah, biggest we all, team. We all can say his name. I
1: mean Yeah,
0: and he had the biggest team and kind of like at that time what was like Kingy, Lester, Jonesy, Jared Houston, um Mike Murphy, like yeah, just kind of Mike like, Murphy. Yeah, eh? they had like the biggest guy in each country, like Murph. of the tour and like they owned the tour. They had the money and kind of were throwing it around and it kind of all started to make sense. But at that time, the tour was huge. Like
1: It was, wasn't and it? And Turbo had a lot of money. So. Tezza McKenna was singing from the rafters about how lofty that tour became. And especially with the guidance of you had Stuart and Hub and Tamiga mm. and a couple other big heavyweights that I've, I've obviously left out um, unintentionally like on that board directing yeah. where it was going. It was, it was going well. It was an amazing tour and it was just so sad because it was just like
0: getting so good when it all fell apart. And it just from greed, just
1: from straight up greed. Mm. From isn't several that, people up there? Isn't that just a a repetitive situation that seems to recur in society on a regular basis because of fucking greed?
0: Yeah, I know. Like I know. Like I I lost a lot of money, and also never saw a lot of money that was promised to me from Turbo at a young age. But man, some of the other guys got so wiped out, like yeah. so much money, like ruined people that could they. Took so long to recover, kind of
1: thing for sure. Um, just from all sorts of legal clauses and crap going on, but well, I would um, say it kind of ended Damon King's um career kind of prematurely, yeah. Um, and it kind of ended your career very prematurely,
0: yeah. I never recovered from that, like, i I had. My deal was like I did the whole tour and like I wasn't making money, like good money or anything, but I had just enough to kind of get to the competitions and stay in some yeah. beat up accommodation and get back. Like I had enough to just survive kind of For and sure. still live yeah. at my parents kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was still young though. Like I, I was from I think 17 I started doing the tour. to like maybe 19 or something. I'm not yeah. even. So um, did you
1: two solid years on there?
0: Yeah, I did the qualifier. Like, so I joined Turbo. Like after I qualified for the Island Comp. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's so. when you won the point challenge. So you funny point in history. In point <laughs> yeah. Everyone remembers me winning and I never won that. Came I came second, second to yeah. Daniel Worsley and I still feel bad. Yes. You look at the photo of the podium and it's like all the girls are holding me up and he's just standing there and he fucking won. Dude, I was so pumped when you got second in that because we were down on the rocks for that final. Like, cause we, I think I got to the quarters of the semis of that event. Yeah. Maybe the quarters. And... Um, you know, we were always urging like a local fella to get in, and you got the mm. whole way, and it was just like it was we were wild. actually, to be perfectly honest, I I kind of feel a little bit ashamed at this, but we were yelling some heavy shit out at other competitors. Oh like, yeah, the there rocks. was some serious like localism and was you... a lot of sledging, sledging that we like, probably. But like I
0: look at soccer and shit though, and that's what makes it is like know, the fans. But, but like, going like we nuts. were right
1: down the rocks. And it was like you. I mean, was, sorry, you were surfing. I was it was me, Pino, Huddy, Alet. Bingham, we we're all like a couple other fellas. Yeah, you guys had polished like a bottle of JD. JDA. Yeah, pretty sure we, being, we were like, getting, it was... and it was the end of the day. It was the final. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, And, and yeah. we'd kind of got a little bit. To I remember I landed on my
0: face, up. like I was like milking it so hard that I was doing like rolls on the rocks at the point. I cut all the side of my face open. and I like stopped for like two seconds to try and wipe blood out of my eyes, and I had like Ailit and Pino like get back out there, you little cunt. Yeah, like, we were <laughs> jaded. We wanted Sorry, to win um, so bad. <laughs> 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 got to use the swear button. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's that? Two seconds late, though. Yeah, I fucked that up. But yeah, it cut my face. They're like pushing me back into the water and stuff. But um, I think like, yeah, it was the top two from that event, which was an Aussie tour event and a qualifier for the world tour event at the island. Yeah. Um, when the island challenge How is was that still actually, a world tour event.
1: Let's just let's just clarify that and really break that down to show why that's tiered so nicely and what actually makes a world tour event prestigious because right now you could say at certain times that maybe like anyone and everyone can enter certain events at the moment without. If you have the money. You can yeah. Do if you have the money, you can do it. So look, that's great for putting money into competitions, but it's also kind of unfair for seated competitors who oh, have
0: 100% worked
1: as hard as they can. And they've got to surf like, you, you know, six, seven, eight. you could not just go route. in a world tour event when I, we were doing it. Late. That's what I mean. You at all. To. So we had and the so,
0: qualifying tour as well as you see so you had to one, do well in your own Australian home tour um gave you some kind of qualification points yeah. um and then you had to go to the qualifying event so like perfect example is if you wanted to compete in Eureka you had to go to Invergarasta first and yeah. you had to do well in that event or well enough to kind of get a seed into the first
1: round. For sure. Um, See, that's 100%. epic because then it makes you tick off the boxes and it's not just for money. It's for actually leapfrogging your way through the, the competition. It
0: did used to backfire sometimes. The perfect example of where it would backfire would be in Hawaii. So to do the pipe event, you had to do the Sandy Beach club. Oh, that's a joke and um
1: but that's also you could say about the point to the island the point can hold big waves but it's a burger mostly 100 it yeah. rarely barrels maybe one to two days a year that actually actually, we got lucky that trial was sick it that's was like the pretty good i know that I was know. Like the best point that was a huge swell that was a huge perfect swell
0: but yeah because i remember i didn't the first time i saw i didn't i didn't qualify for the pipe event because i surfed one foot sandy
1: beach all right boog lords that's enough sam strachan for one podcast Part two coming soon. Boom.